MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So there was some big news this week, but the fun part is that the horrors of America and its racist past are always with us. And so this week we are getting more screen time with the second half of the season of HBO's Lovecraft Country. She goes on um, a speed dating event at the beginning. Oh, yes. And none yeah. of the men pick her. Yeah. And like, I feel real. like I slap the table. It's okay to be yeah, weird but- if you're that beautiful. I feel like if you look like that, you could be a serial killer and say, my hobby is killing people. And men would be like, huh, tell me more. That's interesting. Welcome back to Popcorn Book Club. I'm Dana Schwartz, joined as always by Tian Tran, Jennifer Wright, Karamadankwa, and Melissa Hunter. And this week, we are diving back into Lovecraft Country for some screen time, the second half of the season. So episodes six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten, mm-hmm. ten. Oh, yeah. This is not a situation like Brave New World where there are nine episodes. Yeah. Yeah. A thing that I think about too regularly, honestly. Guys, it also- just got canceled. I wonder why. Oh, <laughs> I think we did it. It's because of that ninth episode. If they, had, if they had stopped at eight, they would have been like, you know what? This show deserves more episodes because they went into that ninth <laughs> too much. Uh, and The Queen's Gambit, which is excellent on Netflix now, and I really like it, oh, based so on good. a book, so I can pitch it, oh. uh, is only seven episodes. Which was very frustrating. Yeah. Intriguing. Mm. I don't know if I like that either. It was too short. People are getting loose. I like that more than nine, though. People are playing people fast are and loose. Yeah. What are we, British? Like, no. <laughs> yeah. British people can do that oh, shit. Yeah. Like, this show has been on for 17 years. It's got nine episodes, and we love it. But we need... <laughs> and it's Tune called in. Quarantine's Worry. 
<laughs> and every now and then we're going to do a Christmas episode that's related to I nothing. I love it. I love a Christmas special. I, Christmas do, special. Do really good I feel like special. we really should bring that into American culture of just like Christmas you don't like specials. A Star Wars Christmas special? An episode of our favorite characters getting back together just yeah. for a Christmas special. I think I don't that would know. Be great. I kind of hate all of the Zoom specials. I feel like a lot of shows oh, have tried no, to do those that. Are bad. Oh, different. I don't that at I, all. It just makes me sad in like the same way that seeing kids who have really cute like homemade masks make me really sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice for a second and then it's a huge or, bummer. Like Tanya Harding's <laughs> ice skating outfits or something. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I like British TV shows because it's like the second best example of British socialism. One is healthcare and then it's how every comedian just seems to get six episodes mm-hmm. on, oh a, my God, on the BBC. So yep. <laughs> they all just, they all kind of have one. It's an $8 budget and you have to shoot it at your mom's house, but you get it. I have a dumb question. You get it. Do yeah, British go. people have another channel or is it just BBC? It's just well, BBC. BBC. Yeah, they have multiple channels. No, they have BBC, BBC Weather, BBC Night, BBC <laughs> yes, Day. One, two, one, three, two, four. There are lots four. of BBCs, but That's I don't. That's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. Do they have BBC other Sport. channels? I think it's the same way. I think it's the same way like we have CBS, NBC, ABC, and Fox. But those are different companies. Well, I mean, not as much anymore, but (laughs) they're all owned by Disney. They have Channel 4, which is different than BBC 4. That's true. That was good. ITV is different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. They have some different. And they they also get all of our TV now. I did lead by saying know. it was a stupid question. Yeah. I think if you're British, sound off in our in our <laughs> oh Instagram God. or Twitter. Let if us know how many British, channels please you get. don't come for me. I respect uh, your culture. I just don't understand it. My biggest British mistranslation is you realize when British people say not bad, they mean not good. Very bad. Yeah. They mean bad. Oh. Because you'll say, they'll say, oh, it's not bad. But they that does it in America. That means pretty good. But in England, that means bad. <laughs> My brain can't compute that right now. No. <laughs> I, have, I already have a headache and that just made it worse. I have some dates I need to re-examine. <laughs> I'm joking. If, a, if I if dated a British, a British person, person, I'd be married to them. So, <laughs> speaking of not bad, depending on the translation, should we talk about Lovecraft Country? Ooh, yes. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Segway. Not bad I, American <laughs> meaning. I had ups and downs with it. Same. Same. Yeah. I liked some episodes more than others. And I, I came, my end conclusion was I think I maybe liked the structure of the book better but i'm same. curious to know what everyone thinks i think it helped me to watch some of these when i had some more distance from the book because i mm. wasn't constantly trying to remember oh did they do that in the book is that something they've changed um i really enjoyed the meet me in daigu Dai, daigu oh i love that yeah, one. yeah. yeah. Really like really that episode. Good episode. and it was one that had nothing to do with the book and i thought Not that was thing. really interesting yeah. yeah i think i liked that one too just for it because it didn't have anything to do with the book and it like took us to a different time but the pace of it felt so much more manageable than Mm -hmm. some of the other episodes where things were happening so quickly but there's so much to love about this series and then just some choices that make me just like laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh (laughs) well I think 
in that same regard, I think that was my favorite episode of these five for, by far. And I think it was, it made me think of, even though that wasn't in the book, like it made me think about what I loved about the book was each, each story felt like a bottle episode, right? But yeah. then they all came together at the end and that's why it felt so satisfying. And I feel like the times when they are intercut cutting between all of these wildly different stories with wildly different like tones and stakes it just felt like I felt like I couldn't get a handle on it and that's why I was like oh I wish they were all like that episode yeah yeah Mm -hmm. I would like to to add just to call myself out I did not finish the last two oh I didn't either thank god okay Okay. good I I did don't worry (laughs) I watched all of them. So, I watched all of them when they aired. Also, I was like, okay, going Karama, along. you get Great, a gold Karama, star. <laughs> you are in charge of explaining how it all came together. In I yeah, will Karama, remind you all that I should get a silver star because I did not finish you the book. You didn't finish the book. <laughs> no, but you get a gold star for this episode. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're you're like separate. the star baker. Yeah, it's like it's exactly. like British Bake Off, where each episode is separate, oh and you're you're oh, you were in the bottom it. two in another episode, but in this one, you, you came back up at the star baker. You won the technical. <laughs> oh Follow up question: God. Is Great British Bake Off on the BBC? Because no, the, now okay. it's on Channel Four, oh, which is a different network. Wow. It used to be on the BBC, and then okay. when they switched hosts, switched. Hosts and one of the judges, it moved to right. Channel 4. Channel 4 is trading up. Yeah, Channel 4 is. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Karama, since you were the one who watched this the way it was meant to be watched, do you want to walk through sort of the basic plot of the second half of the season in the most what? basic terms? Oh my God, good luck. Wow. I mean, good luck. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I, uh, I sort of lost I could lost not keep the track of, of yeah. some of it. Making fine. me do this feels like a hate crime, but okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so the sixth episode, which we've just sort of touched on, takes place primarily in Korea during the Korean War. As we all know, um, Tick is a Korean War vet, and it does follow uh, Jia, who is a woman. Uh, I use that term like shadily because it turns out that she was not fully human. Get into that in a second. But um Quick it aside, mostly follows Jamie, her. Jamie Chung is stunning. So beautiful. beautiful. So beautiful. beautiful. Okay, so everybody good. on this show is beautiful. Everyone is yeah. so everyone but not so like hot. just beautiful in a she's hot way, but beautiful yeah. in like watching her think is incredible. Yeah. She like just has a, it's almost uncomfortable uncomfortable like it looks like someone in an instagram filter it's like how is someone that beautiful it does feel like a problem for me in this episode because she goes on um a speed dating event at the beginning yes and none of the men pick her and like i feel like i slap the tape it's okay to be weird if you're that beautiful not in 1950s korea Oh my god! It's not that weird. She just likes Judy Garland movies. Just, it's true. Um, She's like, I went to the movie theater. I yeah. feel like in, and they were like, "Fuck you." Um, I feel like if you look like that, you could be a serial killer and say, "My hobby is killing people," and men would be like, "Huh? Tell me more. That's interesting." In, in the final episode, a guy does come over to her in a bar and is like, "And she's in a bad mood," and he's like, "Hey, you look good," and he's like, "Do you want to have sex with me?" And, and and you die, and and he like walks away, and I'm like, "No," he would just say, "Okay, where do we go?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I I feel like. 
like he he was like shady, like skeezy. I know he was but shady, I think he had but a it slight didn't... sense of self preservation where he was like, "Oh, I don't fuck with crazy. That's crazy." <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think if somebody is I, that pretty, a lot of people would have said yes to that. Also, and crazy. Yeah. well, also, it turns I think out a lot of the people realization did. that she speaks yeah. English. That he was like, yeah. "Oh no." Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. I thought she uh, didn't speak English. That would have been great. But she now knows oh. that I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> to to transfer back, a lot of men were willing to have sex with her uh, and get murdered. I believe 99, if I counted yes. correctly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so it turns out she is a kumiho. I think I said that correctly, uh, which is a Korean fox demon, sort of, if you're familiar with like a kitsune, which is in Japanese culture, sort of analogous to that. Uh, a nine-tailed, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nine-tailed fox creature. Can I also say, to me, the nine tails looked like tarantula legs, which was very 100%. scary to me. Yes. Were not tails. They came out of her eyes. <laughs> they made it very scary, and I wished it was cute. I wish the tails were cute. I thought it was going to be cute. You wanted say. them to and be like little Pokemon tails? No, like, yeah. wanted something I more kawaii. Be, like, scary, but, but, but cute like a fox. I wanted them to be Pokemon nine tails, fluffy tails. Yes, I'm yeah. thinking of the Pokemon right now. Okay, go on. And let like those strangle her. And, and uh-huh. puffy little tails. I, I yeah. didn't like the tarantula legs out of her eyes. It no, really me scared me. No, that I well, did not expect it. Well, it could be, and I'm not an expert on Korean mythology, so it could be that that's what they look like in traditional Korean mythological like illustrations. That could. Mm, that's yeah. my guess, because I don't know why anybody would make them that fuzzy. Because they did look mm-hmm. like tarantula legs, unless there was like a base mythology that they were basing it on. I'm uh, but it anyway, right so Tick ends up meeting her while she's working as a nurse in a hospital after Tick has an injury, which I think was the first I realized that Tick was injured in the war. And that was um, not something I was aware of before. And they end up sort of having a fling. Gonna say, all the art that I see, they're mm-hmm. like fox tails. They're, they're, they're cute. So like yeah. very they're cute. fluffy, very cute. A yeah. lot of them, nine of them, but not not like thin, creepy eyeball tarantula tails. Okay, maybe Misha Green just likes tarantula legs, and she's like, maybe mm, they. Th- I think I'm gonna I figure out a way to it. put these in there. All of the sex in this show is very scary. It's like penis snake, blood, so much blood, just mm-hmm. blood and skin coming off. Tarantulas out of your eyeballs. Nobody has. Oh, I guess. Okay, I guess. Atticus and Letitia have sex and nothing terrible happens. Mm-hmm. At least one time. When? That's nice. Um, at the house party? No. Oh, yeah. They have the nice one time. against the sink where she bled because it was her first time and she and didn't then, tell yeah, him. She was, Fuck, oh. I forgot. Okay, sex is terrible. But don't it's they, all the way terrible on the don't show. Don't they have I sex? I forgot about the bleeding. I feel like they have a nice sex some other time. Yeah, no? I think so. I'm sure they point. do. I don't remember if they showed it, though. But anyway, uh, back yeah, to plot. I think okay. they did. Sixth episode takes place in Korea. Um, uh, Jia is a kumiho, so she takes the souls of men and sees their whole lives flash before her eyes. And we find out that her mother um, was um, being beaten by her father or something. There was something going on with no, the father. It, it was oh, that was abusing the daughter. That's what it was. The, the yeah, stepfather, the not her biological yeah. father. Her stepfather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what it was. The stepfather was raping her daughter. And uh, so in order to get him to stop, she like went to uh, some sort of mystic person and was like, hey, can you make this stop? And she was like, sure, be careful what you wish for and turned her daughter into a kumiho. 
um, which is definitely one of those, yikes, maybe the other thing was bad, but this is not what I wanted. Um, but so she has to sleep with a hundred men and take their souls before she can then be freed from the Kumiho and become a human being again. Um, and she is supposed to hit number 100 with Tick, and she's really excited to take his soul because of some issues that she had had with American soldiers, including Tick, um, killing one of her friends for being a communist spy. So she's... Killing her best friend. Oh, yeah. yeah. Her really only friend. friend. The one, really. the one person friend. who was nice to her. Yeah. 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 Um, and then she... What happened? Uh, oh, right. She was going to... She, she like, did end up actually liking him and they were having sex and she was able to control the tarantula fox leg tails. <laughs> and then one time they went out of control and he was like, what the fuck happened? And she was like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. But also she saw his death in the future. She saw the future instead of just the past, which was new for her. And so she was freaked out and he was freaked out, but he left. They never talked again until... Uh, he got back to the States and she was like, you went home. We saw that phone call. She's like, you shouldn't have. So that's the sixth episode. You guys want to speak on anything in that? Yeah. um, I thought it was really interesting to see an episode where Tick is given a certain amount of power to wield over other people and he wields it in a really monstrous way. Mm -hmm. He does not hesitate to shoot her best friend. She might not even have been a communist spy. Um, She was. She, but he actually comes up and shoots like two nurses that are seemingly not implicated in mm-hmm. this our storyline. Yep. So like, it's ooh. a brutal scene. It, is a, it's it just a really I think shows scene. how like how being in a war like mm-hmm. forces you to dehumanize the enemy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and like the group think I've I've never been uh in in the military, but I, I assume that there's sort of like this group think of like an us versus them that really mm-hmm. forces people to do things that they would never do in any other context. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a real choice yeah. when they have Atticus justify it by saying, I'm just following orders, yeah. which yeah. I that think uh, a- we have all learned is, is not, not how you are supposed to behave because it makes That's people a- become monsters. Well, it, bad, bad yeah, it was a like, I understand that's what, yeah, is done in war. It seemed like a narrative, a very specific narrative choice to have Tick do that. And it made me think in that moment, oh, I wonder if Tick's going to die in this show. Because it felt like you're seeing on screen that he has like sins that he cannot overcome and that's usually like a narrative device to be like, maybe you shouldn't live. Like that's, I don't know, it just felt like uh, I saw kind of what where it was going from there because it is mm-hmm. like it is this question of like you're on this journey and having it come episode six to see what happened before it and that he is not this like hero like that is imperfect or that is perfect in every way mm-hmm. like that he has these sins of the past that are coming back to haunt him um i thought was an interesting choice I like. Oh, go ahead. I, I the thing I liked, and I think you alluded to earlier, is that it, it shared that sensibility with the TV, sh- the, the book rather, that it was a self-contained story where it applied mythology on a, mm-hmm. a social issue that's really genuinely interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I really liked being in that world for a little bit, like seeing the Korean nurses during this war, and like mm-hmm. getting their perspective, and like getting those moments of the dating and the taking care of soldiers. 
and then then mixed with this really interesting mythology element. Like, I think that that's sort of the show and the book and the genre at its best, where it's like inserting mythology into a situation that's like already interesting and then using the mythology to heighten it. There's also this dry, terrible humor to this episode. I really love it when they're all watching um, a Judy Garland movie at the movie theater. And suddenly um, there are like loud booms outside and American soldiers are rolling through their towns, distributing pamphlets saying, do not be alarmed. America (laughs) is here. As if this is not a very alarming situation to be in. Mm -hmm. But I, I love that choice too and kind of positioning the message of like showing it through like an imperial, like American imperialism. Mm -hmm. I don't think we get to see it that, or I haven't seen it that much in a lot of US TV or American TV of just like, yeah, there is such a complicated history of war and this like, we got to help save democracy in other countries narrative that like, I think we have all been raised to not question and or Mm -hmm. think about it from a different perspective and like, you know, as as Vietnamese American, I think about I've been starting to unpack that a lot. And that particular episode felt very like, ooh, yeah, like seeing how U.S. military involvement in certain countries is such a complicated thing to see and experience and like try to question. So I and- really admired that take from them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in that vein i really enjoyed the fact that the episode was like 80 percent in korean and i think that so often in american television when we have people of other cultures speaking to each other they are speaking english because there's this like not I don't want to say revulsion, but there's this aversion. Aversion is the word I'm looking for to I mean, subtitles and this sort of feeling like, well, I don't want to have to read subtitles. I just want to understand what they're saying. And I like that they were like, nah, you go read subtitles because they are Korean people in Korea speaking to other Korean people. It does not make sense for them to speak English just to make you comfortable. And this is what their world is like. And also there are nuances there that exist because like mm-hmm. Korean as a language has a formal and informal case where English doesn't really do that anymore. We used to have thou and you. And then we were like, in the 17th century, we were like, what if we just got rid of thou? What if we <laughs> stopped doing that? So we don't have that anymore. But languages like French and Spanish and Korean do have formal and informal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that you lose that because there's like a little scene where they were like, oh, my God, he started using this case on the date. And I'm like, that's too soon. And I was like, oh, he did what, girl? (laughs) And I felt like I was I got to take a glimpse into their world and I was being invited in as opposed to imposing this American perspective on another culture. Yeah, I love I love that. Like, it's like we are making this to make this to fully represent it's not for a specific like American audience Mm -hmm, like you are mm -hmm. seeing it as it should be seen Mm -hmm. ideally Um, I did hear that the subtitles were very badly translated though oh were they yeah my friend who is not Korean but does speak fluent Korean uh he I texted him and I was like tell me about the Korean in that episode he was like yeah it was okay (laughs) <laughs> and there were things that I, as a non-Korean speaker, 
but like I know like six words in Korean because I'm from Los Angeles. Um, I was like, why does it say umma on the screen instead of mother? Because that's what that means. Yeah, it's that not can... a name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that confused me. And sometimes it did and sometimes it didn't. That was the thing. It was inconsistent within. But, you know, they're doing their best. And I am and I know that they, they got a Korean co-writer on that, yeah. too. You know, yeah. I read an article about there's the earlier episode where the native woman who was trapped in the museum gets mm-hmm. freed and then immediately murdered. Yeah, that one. Um, yeah. So there was criticism online of like, hey, that's not like a great way to use, you know, a character. And uh, the sh- showrunner apologized and was like, yeah, the, the goal of that episode was to show that like even marginalized people can then be cruel to like other marginalized people. Like it's a chain and a system. And I didn't think that episode was successful at communicating that message, but I thought no. that this episode did get that across. Yes. You know, in, a, in a way that made sense where it's like, yeah. Well, that's what I think you guys are touching on is like it, it was all from the Korean woman's perspective or the Mm -hmm. Korean woman slash monsters, Monsters. (laughs) Fox monsters perspective. And I think tarantula monster. It is. I feel like that's why I think it was my favorite episode of this, of the whole season is because it, it felt like a very surprising turn. Like if you, I expected to see Tick's experience in the war, but I didn't expect to see it f- not from his perspective at all and that he only comes in and when he later and when he does, he immediately kills a woman. Like, I think that's why it was successful because it doesn't sideline the marginalized group. You know, mm-hmm. it makes them it's it's her narrative. Mm-hmm. I I also like this episode and I I think I am a, a good television watcher. Like I'm a smart person. And I like to stay engaged. I found the next four episodes a little hard to follow and to anchor myself at points Mm -hmm. because time traveled at different speeds and a lot happened and there's a lot of CGI and a lot of gore that I sort of got like TV overload. Um, Mm -hmm. And I liked the pacing of this episode because I could wrap my head around it where it's like once we got back to uh, Chicago and then also back to Artem, sorry, uh, I was blanking on that. It just like it got hard for me to to put like distances and places and times focused in my head in a way that anchored me. You mean mm-hmm. things were hardum and artum? Hey. Okay. Okay. But, okay. okay. There was a lot. There's like a lot of visceral horror yeah. and like images that were just like thrown at your face a lot. Mm-hmm. Everyone was covered in blood at some point. Okay, my foxtails are getting all tangled. Let's take a break. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox, 
you can't go around it. So you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wild Card on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, well, let's talk about the next seven, seven yeah, to ten. Yeah. Let's <laughs> talk about those. I guess it's still my job, but um, <laughs> no, so. I can I'll, I can give the the big overview that as I yeah, saw six it, felt uh, like the, it needed its own situation because yeah. it was so different. But I feel like yeah. the next four can be summarized pretty much together in a way. I mean, I think the big overall plot now is Christina slash William, who is Christina, mm-hmm. uh, wants to do a spell that will make her immortal. And she needs Tick's blood to do it. And that is just a fact. And she refuses to examine any further. That's just a thing she needs. And she's willing to do it. And they want to... Alliances shift at certain points, but she enlists Ruby to help her in that. Uh, They decide... I think the overall goal for our gang is to make a salt circle and to banish... um, their patriarch, Titus, who's sort of a Mm -hmm. reoccurring... Uh, evil, sort of like Biff in the Back to the Future universe. How, like, <laughs> no matter, but you know how like whatever time period they're in, there's always a Biff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was that was the vibe I got from Titus, where it's like he's just a reoccurring evil and they wanted to to banish that for good. Did I get the big picture? Yeah. Did I miss Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you did. <laughs> I was gonna And but, other things but details happened. are other things, yeah. yeah so let's details. talk about the details that we enjoyed or didn't enjoy or that that stuck with us in some way throughout that. Uh for me, I really liked the change. I got the change from Horace to Diana in this second half mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And um I really liked the episode where D is being followed by uh Topsy and Boxy, very scary. Names are. Oh, genuinely scary. scary. Yeah, they were very scary. That yes. episode, I would say six and eight, even though mm-hmm. I didn't watch the last two, but eight. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed eight. I thought making yeah. um, making her friend Emmett Till was a really interesting oh, choice. Yeah, really I mean, we they set that up in the first they, half. Yeah, we called that with the when they were in the in yeah. the I mean, house it wasn't doing even the Ouija a, board. It wasn't yeah. a calling because like his name was the, Bobo, which yeah. was his nickname. Like they yeah. specifically yeah. explicitly made that clear that that was going to happen, and I was kind of bracing for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I really loved in that episode that they did not show his body. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. wasn't because there has been so much body horror 
but it was about magic and the people in this world mm-hmm. who are fictional. And Emmett Till, as somebody who is a real person who had a real horrible death, they didn't show his body and they didn't, they showed his death, but they showed it on a white woman instead yes. of mm-hmm. on him, which I thought was a fascinating and yeah, amazing choice. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did we make of that? Which is, it, Christina paid yeah. a lot of money to be able to experience Emmett Till's death. Well, what earlier, did... Ruby asks her if she feels anything. Um, mm-hmm. If, like, Ruby is understandably devastated by this death. And Christina says, nope, she doesn't feel anything. It does not bother her. It is not what she's thinking about. She can't feel it. Um, and Props for honesty, honestly. <laughs> I, I guess, yeah. Um, but... I don't know. Maybe at the end, to me, I thought she was trying to feel it. Like, maybe the only way she could feel that would be if it happened to her personally, which is a a thing that I think some very privileged people do experience, that Mm -hmm. you don't really Mm -hmm. care about um, making sure people get health care until someone you love is denied health care. So I felt like Christina was trying to experience what something that horrible would be like. But she's invulnerable. Like, even when it happens to her, she comes back to life immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, she's, yeah. And she's like a, I feel like it it was a good way to show how she is kind of this uh, unfeeling, like, villain, you know, that has kind of like a next level, like, sociopath or whatever you want to call that. I know that's often misused or overused. But, um. But yeah, I, it, this is very stupid, but you know what it made me think of is I once saw this show where um, men had to get, like, had these, like, nerve things on them. Was that the Try Guys? To, to, feel yeah, like, the try guys? Uh, to feel like they're having a baby, like the contractions of labor. Mm. No, it was yeah. on this very dumb reality show that I watched all of about... Um, uh, about a woman who is like the bachelorette, but she's trying to have a baby. Labor of Love. Oh, that show. Oh, Labor oh that love. exists. I forgot about that. On yeah. Fox. Yes. Um, uh, such a good corn. <laughs> such a good COVID show. Uh, and they all, they, all the guys on that have to do it. And I they're like, I "Whoa, my that's audio hard. There. I was so excited about <laughs> Labor of Love. <laughs> but just like the idea of like putting yourself in that situation in order to have empathy for a person who's having a baby. <laughs> It's just For very me, funny. As a viewer, yeah. though, I felt very, I don't want to say cathartic because I don't mm. wish that on anybody, but it did. The, the mm-hmm. Again, I think I said this in the first conversation, or maybe it was, it wasn't when we were talking about Lovecraft Country. It was when we were talking about the hate you give. The mm. woman who accused Emmett Till of mm-hmm. whistling at her is one, I believe, still alive, at least as, a, as of a couple of years ago, was still yeah. alive. And two, was never held responsible in any way. Mm -hmm. And for me, visually, that's what that signified, was her facing some sort of consequence and showing a white woman suffering Mm -hmm. for that. And that woman lied about it. She lied. Mm -hmm. She admitted she lied lied and faced no consequences. Yeah. Zero. Even Mm -hmm. now, we know that she has lied. She has admitted she lied and nothing has happened to her. She just gets to live out the rest of her miserable life in peace. I think I liked the use of Christina to to sort of stand in for a lot of like white feminism. The idea that like she thinks like because she's excluded from the boys club of magic, 
that she, mm-hmm. you know, is a victim in certain ways and then mm-hmm. needs to. And that that's the yeah. same as Ruby. Like yes. we're the same. Yes. Like we're both like having a hard time. It's like, no girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, th- I find, I found her a very interesting villain, but I didn't quite find the ending. I don't want to, I skip no, ahead to the ending. Oh. I didn't find the ending as cathartic as I think it could have been. We're in the book, the way they outsmarted her in like I an Ocean's Eleven hated style the heist. ending of this show. I yeah. liked the last, the last little bit ending with D. Oh, we'll get with to D that. But yes. Okay. That but, I so like. Someone <laughs> hadn't seen the ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, okay. We'll, 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 we'll <laughs> summarize it. From our, yeah, from our listeners who yeah. obviously <laughs> did not watch the end of it. I'll just get to the end part real fast. So uh, they're trying to beat Christina at her own game and do the spell before she does the spell. And But surprise, Ruby, who has come with Letitia to help, is actually Christina in no. uh, in a in a Ruby uh, Ruby shell. skin suit in a Ruby <laughs> in a Ruby nope. shell because um, Ruby's in a coma. I think I missed how that happened. Um, I well, what they said was Christina caught <laughs> Ruby so trying to steal the potion because they there didn't, was a spell. Hmm? Yeah, they didn't show it. I don't think. They didn't show it, but they did because we had to believe it was Ruby through the car ride. I love the car yeah, ride. Yeah, uh, the car ride was cute. We, she said, it's your fault that your sister is dead, which, debatable whether she's dead or not, and she mm-hmm. might be in a coma, but she caught her trying to, she caught Ruby trying to steal the potion right, for, for their spell because they needed a little bit of Christina oh. and they needed a little bit of Titus. Yes. Which so was crazy she's got that they the, stole the a Ruby. ghost art. <laughs> <laughs> so she's got the ruby poly juice and it's like she's turns back you know she's christina surprise and then christina gets at like or atticus's guys get atticus on like a on like a crucifix cross it's a it's a, it's crucifix. a crucifix and his arms are like bleeding out and it's the scene where christina is like in a white dress and she's you know very pale and blonde and is just like doused in blood and it's uh she's very like miss arian 2020 yes, or wow. i guess they're in 1950 it was like if a if a model if like a photo shoot were like we want carrie vibes it would be that you know it's 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 like it's the america's next top model but they're but like, just carrie. signed a horror movie yeah. oh, oh it's God. a halloween special mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she you know and and uh, t- and he, running say, in her they heels show they show the it's she like, like doesn't just like she slashes like the whole that part is very the arm. skin Ugh. separate from it's skin. really it intentionally foul. gross they really they really gross that and then that then to me this is the goof maybe the goofiest part of the whole show is like it's just there's like a storm of clouds and Letitia is on her knees saying the spell and she and and there's like a literal tornado and then and they're like we we I can't get the spell to work unless they're connected and so then the fox demon I'm Gia uh, Gia uh, it's like I can do it, and so she t- gets out her foxtails and connects oh, wow. Tick and Christina. But it's too; it, it works. It takes away her immortality, but Tick is still dead, 
and then and all of these things collect all of these like it's it's in some kind of like abandoned coliseum looking place they did it it's I think it's the, the, the meat thread. seller where Montrose was at in the in the first. Okay, right? Yeah, it's that place. I think and it's that so same. It's in Artem somewhere on the grounds of that. Guys, it's so I, goofy. I was, it's I was almost much. sure it's that it was they things. did it in the place. Yeah, it was a lot of things happening, and and, and then she loses her immortality. And then they all leave and leave Christina under all these like cinder blocks and she can't get out. And and then and then Dee comes up and has an has a mechanical arm now because she lost her arm in the curse and uh kills her. Like breaks her chokes like, her to death. Chokes her or like bre- like not just chokes her, like goes through her neck. Yeah. yeah. It's like a lot of viscera. And Which I don't <laughs> love a child. I didn't love that. I don't think she's a child anymore. That's the thing. That's the thing that Mm. where when you it's sort of like what Star goes through in the hate you give. Where you don't get to be a kid anymore once you watch one of your friends die horribly. I know, but I didn't want her to have to do that. (laughs) I I just I didn't want her to have to deal with that in one little scene. I listened to the HBO Lovecraft Country podcast. Okay. Uh, really Ooh. working for that gold star. Yeah. I only you. listened to the Yeah, I don't I know why I listened to, to the final episode. Because I didn't want I didn't want to get too influenced by all of the other episodes and I wanted to like unpack it myself. But I did listen yeah. to that final episode because uh, there was a lot happening in that episode. I was like, I wanna hear from these clowns. Um, these clowns being Misha Green and Journey Smollett, uh, who are wonderful clowns in the best sense. Um and they talk about how it's the youth pushing forward. Hmm. And that's what that was supposed to sort of symbolize. It's kind of like how TikTok might save democracy <laughs> because young people mm. are spreading information so quickly and through ways that are entertaining. And I think that she's been radicalized. She's the young person and she's the one who realizes uh, that they are only going to advance by spilling blood other than their own. And she even says they never learn. And then mm. that's her saying, like, we can't keep doing what we've always done. We can't just take magic away from them because She's under these rocks. She can get out. She's like, no season two for you, Christina. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was another important piece is that the in, the spell worked and that like it reversed her immortality, but it also took away not only her magic, but magic of from all white people. All, all white, white people. people. So then oh, it's wow. like, it's ours now. Um, mm-hmm. so let's and Tick survives, right? No, no, Tick dies. No, Tick's done. What? Yeah, yeah he, I was not happy with if that choice. If you saw it, you would be well, like, even if they got there in time, those no, are deep cuts. He, yeah, no, he's and for the story, I'm sure he has to sacrifice himself to save everybody uh, else. I didn't he's, on, he's on a I Jesus just, cross, but yeah. Is he on a Jesus cross as it happens? I just did. Yeah, I felt a little like bit. This is it didn't why, feel like he died to sacrifice people. It felt like he just died. I think this was my issue with the show and why I go back to episode six being and I, and I think eight equally was like similarly contained. Um, mm-hmm. It just felt like there were so many ideas and and it was so ambitious for a show. It like the, it was because uh, when I read the book, I'm like, oh, this is going to be an ambitious show. And then somehow they added like a thousand more ideas to it. And like, it's like bigger yeah. than the book. Hippolyta, yeah. which I don't love pr- pronouncing it like that, but that's how they pronounce it on the show. Hippolyta's yep. journey. 
I was like, that was the goofiest bit to me. That episode I was, just was like, really wild. Oh, I loved seeing her get to dance with Joe. I, so I, I thought episode. that was really sweet. I, I, I think it was fun, but I don't know if it meshed. I thought with it was. I don't so. know what happened. I, I just, I here's my problem with it is like. It wasn't any of those shows. It wasn't a gladiator show. It wasn't like a showgirl show. Mm -hmm. So the way it was written and directed, in my opinion, it's, it made it seem like kind of cheap because it's not directors who are directing that kind of show. They're doing a horror show. So it just felt like I was watching like someone trying to do Game of Thrones who only directs like thrillers. You know what I mean? It just felt like, yeah. Uh, and it, and then the space stuff, it, I get that. I'm, I'm not saying that other people aren't allowed to like it. I just, it, it really, I did not like it. No, at all. I think, I think in terms of production and in terms of like fitting into the larger narrative of the show, not great on that one and in terms of like at the end me knowing what the fuck was happening not super great either because i was like wait is she in space time forever yeah. unclear yeah, yeah. but yeah and her hair's blue now that's important yes in 1950 i'm like this feels radical in 1950 something um, yeah to have like a blue-haired woman like just like she got um what's that what's that box dye that's got like edgy people on it it's like edgy you know the thing. I'll look it I, up. <laughs> I'll find it. Well, but it's like riot something. Um, but anyway, my point you is... You had a point, yeah. Not, yeah, I did have a point, not just trying to remember the name of the box that. Um, for me, I thought that it was really moving to be able to see a Black woman name herself as something and then just mm -hmm. get to do it. Mm -hmm. And just get to experiment and try. And particularly for... Hippolyta, because if you look at the beginning of the show, all she wants to do is go on a guide trip with her husband or mm -hmm. just go on a guide trip. Mm -hmm. And then she is able to do that, but only through the death of her husband. So it's she's taking on the mantle of this business so that they can stay alive. And in this episode, Hippolyta, when she's asked, like, what do you want to do? She's like, I don't fucking know. I want to dance on stage with Josephine Baker. And then she gets to do it and she just gets to be like, wait. This is my life now. I just get to say something and then do it. And I thought that was something beautiful to get to watch. And I thought that it was a very visually stunning episode. But yeah, I didn't know what the fuck was going on at the end of it. I was like, <laughs> cool. This was so much fun. And I enjoyed that. And I heard that it was supposed to be a love letter to black women. And I was like, I felt That's, that. But mm -hmm. it's kind of like. It felt like a little bit like a drunken love letter. Where I was like, I feel the love, but I don't know exactly. Oh wow! What to I do think, tomorrow? Yeah, I, I in that framing, I like it much better. I think what I w wanted to point out with it is that like the story in the book is so beautiful and contained, and I that's it was one of my favorite stories in the book, and I felt like. It, that's what I felt like the show kept doing was like, let's let's take this box that we put all these stories in and let's open them. And then they it kind of goes everywhere. And then it just becomes a lot harder to follow the thread, which is mm -hmm. fun. But then it also kind of makes my head spin a little bit. It's like one of those jar of snake things that you get for yeah. uh, April Fool's Day. And like one snake would have been enough. We would have been like, ooh. Okay, but it was like all the snakes. <laughs> that that was my big critique be, because so so often when there's an adaptation, you're like, oh, okay, you understand that like 
more nuance can just be in text than can be on screen, just Mm -hmm. like that's the by the forms. But they in the show made the universe so big and had so many ideas that it, as Melissa was saying, like I got a little confusing. Like I had fun with that episode, like in isolation. Like I was like, oh, that Josephine Baker was really fun. And I almost wish then just like make that the episode. Yeah. You know, then did. Do it so that somehow she gets to stay with Josephine Baker longer. I don't know. I had fun. But I then was intimidated coming back to Chicago being like, I don't know what characters are where and what the stakes are. But the thing that I always think about when I think about Hippolyta is that she wanted to name Pluto. Like she was someone who, when she was young, had such big ideas and such big dreams. And she kind of had to crush them down as she got older and she got married and she had children. And it's just so beautiful to see her get to have those big, enormous, crazy dreams again, where she gets to fight Confederate soldiers and Mm -hmm. dance with Josephine Baker. That was weird that they were Confederate soldiers, but also in some dusty village but they were gladiators and like it's her fantasy she's allowed to have her fantasy it was not bad yeah but when they were confederate soldiers i was like hold up i yeah i think (laughs) i because what you're what you're all saying i loved that i loved getting to see hippolyta like have agency find herself call out name the things that she wanted to name i loved the level of quality in the detail with the josephine baker as you move to the other ones, it felt like it lost that, like, even set quality or, like, mm-hmm. just general storyline quality. Like, mm-hmm. the world of Josephine Baker was, if that world felt so full. Like, it felt full in line with the rest of the show. It felt like it could sit alongside, like, Chicago 1950s. Like, it just tonally shifted so much that I was like, uh, this almost... Is is like oh, like you've all said. It just doesn't match. It I enjoyed yeah. it. I loved it. Mm-hmm. But it's just like if we are gonna do that, like make sure it matches. Also, she turns into a computer. That really confused. Or like she turns into what does she have? She has some sort of chip in her body. Unclear. <laughs> Look, that episode wasn't for us. That episode was literally for Hippolyta yeah, and yeah, only yeah. for Hippolyta. <laughs> and I'm glad she got it. <laughs> that actress I, is I, amazing. Yeah, that was that was fun. I thought um, another sort of question I had, I loved the curse on die because I thought that they captured like how viscerally scary the police Ooh, officers yeah. were. And then that was horrific when she was being uh, chased by the, the creepiest racist imagery I've ever seen in my entire mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that the cops what I what I liked about the, the book conclusion was like the, the mundane bureaucracy of racism, like how these like, quote, like masters of the universe racist people were in a convention center and we conquered all of them and the cops were in that. And it was just like how shitty and mun- yeah, mundane racist I- infrastructure is. So I, I it those cops didn't quite get their comeuppance. And I think centering the finale just on Christina made it seem like here's just one evil woman and not like this whole system is incredibly evil and deep in our systemic infrastructure. I mean, mm. they did take magic away from white people. Like all we of We didn't them. see that. That's true. The, the cops did get comeuppance a little bit, but from Christina. Yeah. Because yeah. they, she turned the healing against them. Oh, the, yeah, 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 yeah. The restorative power against them. So they did 
get a little bit, but not not in the way of the book. Um, but something I really liked structurally about the episode where Dee is getting chased by um, these terrifying girls from the cover of Uncle Tom's Cabin mm-hmm. is that it was just one piece of scary imagery as opposed to a bunch mm-hmm. of different ones. Mm-hmm. So it was the same thing following her. And I think visually that works so much better than in the book having all of these different things where it's like, oh, thematically they are all related, but visually having the same specter come after her again and turning dancing scary was oh, yeah. like, yeah. oof. That also, one of quality... those dancers was in the WAP music video. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. Really? Oh. yeah. I, I was the scariest for me was when she did the over the back yes. look. Oh, yeah. Scary top, back flexibility. At the top of the... Of the L. The, the L. Oh, my Ooh. God. That visual is just horrifying to yeah. me. Yeah, because that's like those details to me about this show are are what are so impressive when they like really nail it. Like the fact, like you said, Kurama, that they move in such a specific way. Like that could have just been regular spooky chasing, but it was like the choreography of like the bones cracking and like this just and and the sort of like heel click too that is oh. like oh and the music and the music the, like, yeah cheery, i think scary music about knocking at the door i'm like oh no don't God. knock at my door oh. go away i think that's scary. what i really admire about the show and where mm-hmm. some of my at the same time issues come with it is i feel like it is so ambitious and they try mm-hmm. to really go for it. And sometimes it came off as like kind of silly or like a little uh, not great. Like the baby on the, f- the, the baby ghost, the <laughs> oh, baby, baby on the <laughs> baby head ghost is like, Oh, you, you thought that would be really scary, but it's kind of silly versus this. Like, mm-hmm. again, it's like this full commitment to like, let's just go for it and then see like I thought those like underground monsters were really goofy. Um so goofy. But then I, some yeah, of it is terrifying. And so I feel like it's yeah. Yeah. you know, it's they they were trying everything um and to d- varying degrees of success. I did like that Tick got his own underground monster and that his that was yes. black. I did like that too, but I also laughed when whatever moment made the Shogoth's eyes like fire blood, like shoot blood at them made me laugh so hard. I was like, that is a, that's a choice. I am so fascinated. I really want to find out what the budget was for this show because it it feels like almost Game of Thrones level budget, like in terms of it's a period piece that like goes into outer space and has like ground monsters and baby football players and like just so many elements that feels like this is a this is a wildly expensive show. Uh one thing that I thought was important that is a thing in our culture that's not always discussed is like how racist the origin of eeny meeny miny mo is. Oh yeah, I it's mean, very so racist. So much shit is yeah. racist. The ice cream truck song is racist. It's what's, called What's the ice cream truck song? The one that's like uh the the song that plays when ice cream trucks yeah. go by. Oh, it's I didn't called, know. Uh, nigger wanna, Yankee nigger wanna Yankee. watermelon ha ha ha. Oh. What? what? Like it's Yankee Doodle. No, there are like a couple of different ones, but there's like one that is Oof. 
that plays frequently, and it's called Nigger Wanna ha- Watermelon Ha Ha Ha. I love that the Ha 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 is included in the title. That just really Jesus makes it. It's very like Nelson from the Simpsons. There's like an NPR article on it that I'll send you all. That's okay. very wow. illuminating. Yeah. Ice um, cream is still okay, show... though. You guys can still eat ice cream. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> horrific racism, should we talk about the the time travel episode to Tulsa? I think that's the one oh, we skipped over. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed that one. Me too. I liked it because it felt like the only one that was rooted in the book in terms of like it felt a re- like a replacement for the narrow house story. Yeah. But completely departed from the book in a way that felt like it worked. So like the episode that takes place in Korea was not rooted in the book, but it did take a departure from the book and it was amazing. But this one was like, okay, we need them to get a book like they did in the narrow house but we're just gonna change it up and make it time travel they go to 1921 turns out that tick was the guy i felt that at the beginning of the episode when yeah. they tra- time traveled i was like oh he's the one it's he's you. jackie robinson We've seen enough time yeah. travel <laughs> things um, and i'm like hey, that's gonna be also, important he had that dream at the very beginning of the very first episode of jackie robinson saving him from a monster mm. and i was like hmm why is this such an important moment for him? Because it's him. Yeah. It's him. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that, especially because I'm embarrassed to say, like, I'm one of the people that didn't really know about the Tulsa massacre until Watchmen. Mm-hmm. And, like, that is something deeply on me. And so it was interesting to, to... I mean, it's partly on you, but it's partly on... It's partly on the American education system. Yeah. Dad, I was a very good student. I got an A in AP U.S. History. It did not come up in AP U.S. Yeah, history. Yeah, in U.S. History, I wish it did. did you know Abraham Lincoln solved racism? That's what happened. <laughs> but then the last racist shot him, and he died. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Great. The last racist, and it's uh, done. Yeah. yeah, it was so interesting, because when I realized that, like, in the you know, in the knowing that the Tulsa massacre was going to be in the show, I was really interested to see like how could they do it, like as like Watchmen did it so well, like portrayed it in such a way that was so powerful. Um, and I was really amazed by like using the tropes of this show. And, like, the magic and the monsters and all of that. Like, they did something completely different um, that was really compelling. I, I loved Letitia and the great-grandmother or grandmother in the fire. Um, I, oh, yeah. I don't know if – Tia and Jennifer, did you guys get to this part? No. No, I'm so, so they go back in time to get the book of names. They go through the portal Hippolyta's port. Hippolyta helps them run the portal because she's like, you know, a computer now or something. Her um, eyes, her eyes go white, and she can open portals. Yeah, that is like storm, too. but what, time. Yeah, so it was very, of it was very sex, man. <laughs> um, especially because her hair changes color too. Um, and so they go in to, and it's in t- Tulsa in nineteen twenty one. One. And it's like the night of the massacre and they go with, um, I'm really bad with character names. You'll find this as we go on. Uh, what is uh, Tick's father's name? Montrose. 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 Um, and he was there, he, uh, you know, he was a survivor of the massacre. And so they have to go get the book of names and 
Tick and her, his dad are fighting because he's been drinking and he wants to interfere. But there's also all this buildup of all the other issues that they've had. And so uh, Letitia gets into the house, to the grandmother's house, and they know that, like, that house is going to burn up and they're mm-hmm. all going to die. Um, her Their whole family is going to die. And so she's in there. And then meanwhile, uh, Montrose sees his younger self with another little boy and, or not little boy. I guess they're like 13. 14 or something and adolescent adolescent young adolescent but they're but and it's uh, someone that he was romantic with and you Mm. know they're both closeted and he like tells calls him the f word and montrose wants to this other boy and montrose wants to interfere and tick is like you can't interfere like we can't mess with time because otherwise i won't be here you know Mm. and all of that stuff and then they realize that he's uh, the, the like these men, these white people surround these kids, including Montrose, and kills the other boy. Oh. And then there, and then Montrose and his two other friends are like surrounded by all these white kids. And Montrose, older Montrose, explains like, "Oh, when I." I just there was a there was a guy who came and like Jackie Robinson with his baseball bat and and knocked them all out and saved us. And so they're waiting for that to happen. And then they realize that was tick. And so then they uh, tick goes. Uh, it's, a little, it's a it's a little prisoner of Azkaban moment. Yes. Got yes. It. Very. Oh, my pri- gosh. A lot of Harry wow. Potter. I will Love say. It. I will say. Oh, sorry. Whoa. We both will say. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think there's something about the, just a <laughs> small thing that isn't a, a r- tiny little pet peeve. But, like, some of it, it feels a little too spelled out for me in some of these episodes. Like, I feel like sometimes mm-hmm. they say, like, 14 things they don't need to say. And one of it was, like... I'm the I'm the baseball player. Like he like he like hits the bat. He like almost walks into the bat and they look at each other and then it should just be that Tick just goes over there but he says I'm the baseball player. Like or he says like I'm the guy and it's like guys we we're we're ahead of it. We know. Anyway. Yeah. What what, what will you, you say? Karana? Show don't tell. Show don't tell. Uh what I was going to say is far less important uh, and relevant, but Prisoner of Azkaban is the best of the Harry Potter movies. And I will By fight far, people 100%. Absolutely. Uh, it's uh, 100% agree. Because Alfonso Cuaron has a visual language. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, <laughs> I will agree with you, Melissa, in that it did feel throughout the show, not just in this yes. episode, that there was a lack of trust in the audience sometimes mm-hmm. that we were there with them and that we were ready to understand and to see the moments. But maybe a justifiable trust because there were some moments I did not understand. <laughs> but that's the thing. They yeah. didn't do those moments yeah. that way. But then yeah. the ones where it's like, we get that he's the baseball player. You've been setting this up since the first episode. We good? They're like, yeah. no, no, no. Let's spend another 40 seconds making sure they fucking get it. And I mean, yeah. I wonder if it too was like people being, it, the writers at some point being like, okay, wait a minute. Actually, there is a lot going on. So we should say everything that's going on just to make sure. <laughs> I think it is that balance, like you're saying, of like, I think if they pulled out, you know, let's say there were 1,000 ideas in this show, if they pulled out, 300 of them they probably could have trusted the audience a little bit more to not have to spell everything out i think that's where the problem came in 
I also there was like a whole baptism in the last episode that I did not understand. <laughs> did not and that understand my friends that I've all. been texting about the show with <laughs> did not understand. But I really know that he was that baseball player in the <laughs> Tulsa episode. Um, yeah, there was there was an imbalance for sure. I'm going to go shed my skin suit and then I'll be back. Why would you say that? (laughs) (laughs) Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wild Card on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I think that this was a very ambitious show. It was a very entertaining show. And I think that I I feel like Misha Green did a great job as a part of that team, as a part of that room. I think all of the writers deserve praise and mm-hmm. um, for this undertaking because it yes. was and they created something that really was truly an adaptation. They were mm-hmm. like, this is a jumping off point for negotiation. And then they negotiated the shit out of new stories and interesting ways of looking at things. And they also acknowledged within the show, they were like, so this is the source material. <laughs> we got a <laughs> yeah. time machine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. different. It's different. It's not the same. This is like a thing that we're doing. And they I like made was, a nod at it. I will say too that like in less talented hands actor wise, like this show would have not been as compelling. Those that family of actors, like I, I was watching yet I was watching it earlier today and I was like, I love this family. Like it just hit me. I was like, wait a minute. I love every single member of this family. And it's because those actors are so 
They're good. so good. Like, they're so good at grounding this wild story that is going every which way. But at the core of it, you're like, oh, I this this family and their relationships are so strong that it keeps you like looped into wanting to see all the crazy stuff that happens to them. In the last I'm minute, not to laugh because I'm thinking of Stacy Dash playing Letitia. <laughs> oh, well, in the, like, you not, imagine? No, not quite. In no, the last minute of uh, uh, that, I was explaining the ending very poorly um, when Letitia has to run and she's saying this incantation in and in, in the language of Adam and is on her knees and is shouting it and I'm like. A journey is putting in the work right here. She is like, this is tough to make feel yeah. in any way sane and grounded. Um, I was very impressed by her in that moment. Look, there were parts of it that I wish I had understood better because um, sometimes I like went to the bathroom and came back and something wildly different was happening. <laughs> you know you can pause it. It's on your click your computer normally you get you can have like a minute break and on this is us they're gonna be talking about pretty much the same thing (laughs) (laughs) Um, this is us randall randall's gonna be anxious kevin's gonna be (laughs) self-absorbed is gonna be kind of in the middle and kind of sad and feels responsible for their dad's death that's the whole that's episode. The that's wow. right. That's why you can go to the bathroom. Uh, that was not true on this show. So there were parts of it that I do wish I had understood a little bit better. And maybe um, I should have been watching it more attentively than I was. Mm-hmm. And maybe that would have helped. But I never didn't enjoy watching the performances. Even mm-hmm. if I came back and something insane was on the screen, um, it was always being perfectly acted. Everybody in it was great. They're always a joy to watch. Yeah, like mm-hmm. how do you how you're such a good actor if you can do skin shed sex orgasm <laughs> and make it <laughs> make it work on screen. Like yeah. that is that is a level of acting that I have not seen and I was like, okay, I, I this is grossing me out uh, across the board, but like I buy these performances that mm-hmm. you are doing that and having sex and your skin is falling off of you. Yeah. Oh God, I can't. Mm-hmm. It's so gross. That's like my thing. It's I've said it before. It's my thing. The no, skin it's... thing freaks me out. And yeah, the I... skin thing freaks I everyone ha- out. Yeah, yeah. I hated yeah. the skin thing. I hated Probably it. my least favorite. Hated was, the skin was thing. The the tarantula eyeball thing. Um, eyeballs just freak me out. Like anything, anything that <laughs> means you're getting jabbed in your eyes. So, yeah, the tarantula is coming out of that woman's eyes. I did not enjoy. My friend literally texted me after the first skin episode, and he was like, "Have you seen this week's episode of Lovecraft?" country and I was like yes and he was like I thought of you you were probably in hell and I was like fuck you man that sucks (laughs) yeah the skin I kind of got used to the skin is that weird to say that after like the fifth time I was like I I, I didn't sex (laughs) yeah Dana actually it is weird it's what if I'm into it now that's the only way I want to have 
sex with peeling skin. We can mutiny and get rid of her, right? If she needs to the skin thing, that's like no. a case. If you had to do a spin-off podcast it. that's just about skin shedding, you're on your own. You're on your own. You know what? Dana, you. like, so like it, you should follow your heart and your big no. imagination and your big dreams. I didn't dreams. like I'm it. I'm calling Mr. iHeartRadio, Mr. Isaac Heart Radio. Isaac Heart Radio. Mr. Isaac Heart Radio. We got a skin freak here. Uh, <laughs> Uh, something that I did like that I want to talk about really quickly in that last episode, sorry for people who didn't watch it, um, was when they were all in the car together and we have this nice moment of levity oh. and they're singing along hmm. to that song, uh, which did play in the first episode also. Fun fact. I did not recognize that on my own. They pointed that out in the Lovecraft Country podcast. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. No, claim that. Claim all those no, facts. No. Don't. Mm-mm. I'm going to be honest. I appreciate honesty. Like, I honestly think we should kick Dana out if she's into skin stuff. I'm not in. Yeah. I just feel like it was so gross to me in, like, episode five that I was, like, almost couldn't watch. And then by the episode, maybe even the next episode, six or seven, when they're having sex mm-hmm. voluntarily, mm-hmm. and it, her skin comes off, I was like, okay, well, at least, like, my eyes can watch the screen now. No, I, I, I looked oh, away. I, I, my eyes I, I was like, oh, skin yeah. shedding is coming. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta close my eyes. Nope. Um, but I think that is a good sort of segue into how we do get, as a society, inundated with racism and we do become used to it. And, mm-hmm. like, with Good transition. Wow, really Thank good. you. That was really a very smooth getting transition. Star Baker. Yeah, that's, a, wow. that's an American not bad. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but uh, I think that it does sort of play into that where we did get, I mean, I was still horrified by it, but it was slightly easier than the first time I had seen it. And that's the thing. If you keep seeing a horrible, horrible, horrible thing mm-hmm. over and over and over again, you have to, to some degree, inure yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, so that you're, did I use that word right? We'll see. Someone will tell me if I did I was impressed. at some point. I, I thought it you. was a great yeah. I don't even know what that word means, that just how impressed I am. Word. Um, <laughs> but you have to, in some way, like, brace yourself and be like, mm-hmm. well, here's another one, and here's another one. And I think that that's something that this show kind of does well because the characters at a certain point are just like this fucking magic shit again. Like we're in episode three after all of the stuff that's happened with her house. She's like, get the fuck out of my house. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. she's just kind of at that point. She's not like, oh, please have mercy. Like she's just get out of my house. This is my house. And they have to, to some degree, set aside their stuff and I think that it becomes more horrific to them again when it affects D and when it sort of bleeds into the younger generation. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the viewership of the show is because actually I can tell you that because uh, I have an IMDb Pro account. Oh well, because mm-hmm. I was saying it's like so compelling, uh, you know, and fascinating, and like the visuals are really interesting, but also it's like hard horror, like. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that will turn and probably did turn a lot of people off who were like, you know, it said like from the, you know, producer of Get Out, didn't it? I think on the ads. I think so. So yeah. like people so. who like liked Get Out, which wasn't like body gore horror, but like mm-hmm. social horror might have been like, ooh, and then I mean, came to this. It was and a like, comedy. Oh. Get Out was yeah. listed as a comedy for the Golden Globes because they have facile separations of genre. Well, you have but to who can forget somehow. the best comedy of the year, The Martian? I was rolling in the aisles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I laughed. 
that I did <laughs> not expect you to say that. That's I forgot about Marsha also being a comedy. Best, best comedy. Wow. I was <laughs> la- my favorite jokes, some of the best jokes I've ever heard. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to claim to know the viewership, but I think it's popular or well liked enough that there was a whole SNL skit about it. This I saw that. Sketch. Yeah. Oh my God, I just said skit. Oh no. Oh no. You're going to get canceled. Wow. Cancel me. You're a comedian. Sketch comedians. <laughs> um, there, there was SNL a sketch, sketch about it. Yeah. It was when, um, when Issa Rae was hosting, Issa Rae was hosting yeah. and they're at a football game and they're asking her like, so what's this show you're watching? And she, the whole joke is that it's like so confusing that everyone, <laughs> she's telling like the show about, they're like, wait, what is happening in this show? So oh, I, mean, I, I missed that one. Popular yeah. enough that it's like, yeah, it's in the zeitgeist. It's in the zeitgeist. Nice. zeitgeist yeah. yeah. Good. I, um, that reminds me of when I was 20. I was living in Ghana um, at the time. So I had gone home for summer break from college in the U.S. And I was working at a radio station. I did like an internship in production. And I was reading Lolita on my breaks, which was not as well known in Ghana. So people would ask me, they're like, oh, what's this book you're reading? And I'm like, it's Lolita. And then they would say, what's that book about? And I'm like, It's about a father and his adopted daughter taking a road trip. (laughs) Yes, it's about a road trip. It's about a a father-daughter road trip. And it's interesting having to explain some things to people when you've become so normalized. Like, oh, yeah, you know, that kid fucking book (laughs) that people read. (laughs) That was turned into a couple of kid fucking films. (laughs) We all agree it's literature, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. High and important literature. (laughs) Yeah. But um, yeah, that's funny. I didn't watch the Issa Rae episode of SNL um, because I'm bad, but I'll check that skit I out. I really feel very embarrassed. <laughs> I watched Mike, a few of the out? skits. <laughs> Beep out the word no, skit. No, because then Karama and I will just sound like we are saying skit uh, uh, without no, it making fun of you. Wait, did you word. guys have you guys have you guys seen that uh, clip of Studio Sixty? That yes, it's around? one of my favorite clips. Mm-hmm. I was gonna bring it up. Yes, where where the great. dad? It's like it's so Studio Sixty is like the SNL. It's like the Aaron Sorkin SNL. And you know, one of the writers is showing his parents around, and one of the dad calls it a, a skit. And no, it's goes, his mom. It's his, his mother. Mom, his mom calls it a skit, yeah. and, and the, she's complimenting like, him. She says, "Oh, this is like where you do all your wonderful skits." She's just a nice lady. And he goes, "It's not a. It's not." He goes, "It's not a skit, mom. Skits are what the football players do when they dress up as cheerleaders and mistake it for wit. What we do here is sketches, and it's some of the most groundbreaking comedic minds in the country doing things seen by millions of people." And then, out of nowhere, the dad goes, "Well, that's all very well, son, but your brother is out in Afghanistan." Uh, <laughs> uh, done it again. Aaron, oh my god! The yeah. most Aaron Sorkin thing okay, that's ever been. I'm going to find that clip. It goes right from one to a hundred in 30 seconds. I'm going to, I'm going to find this clip because everyone needs to watch it. His mother Uh, is never going to tour her son's workplace ever again. (laughs) 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 On that note, last last thoughts on the show. (laughs) Um, Very ambitious. And I, my, my final word is like incredibly ambitious a really big universe that did really fascinating things that I think like details will keep trickling down to me that I, that I took out of it. 
Yeah, you'll just wake up in the middle of the night. You'll be like, oh, I'll be like, that was a weird, Coke cool bottles. visual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would totally recommend it 100% to watch because I think so much of what it does is the, the, the amount of good that the show is doing outweighs the like nitpicky bad, not nitpicky, we're not being nitpicky, but like the bad things that we've ma- mentioned. I like fully mm-hmm. enjoyed it. And also just those actors are so talented. Um, oh. just incredible. So yeah, love it. Yeah. I think there are so many wonderful individual moments from this show that I think we'll end up thinking about long in the future. And it's such an accomplishment to be able to craft a show that has mm-hmm. really, really iconic moments like that. W- would you say it was crafted with love? <laughs> hey! Okay, see yourself out, Melissa. Okay, <laughs> that's my time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I, th- I was a little more mixed on it. I think as a whole, I love the the, pe- the episodes that I loved and the scenes that I loved. I thought were truly incredible and just ex- some of the highest level television. And then some parts I thought were just not good at all. So I, I feel like a little. I've never felt this way about a show. Does that make sense? <laughs> like that we're so like such swings mm-hmm. of of highs and lows. That I feel like sometimes I feel about a show of like a first, a first season isn't great, and then the sixth season is great. But this I all felt in one season, mm. so I feel mm. I feel mixed, but I, I'm happy it exists. Is it? Did you watch the fourth season of Veronica Mars? Melissa? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. A similar feeling. Well, mm-hmm. we'll have to talk about yeah. that maybe in a bonus episode. Off, off the air, we'll have another because I remember you were a marshmallow. You had talked about Veronica's seven jeans. Oh, oh yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, what I thought about the show, uh, a lot of things. Uh, but one, I think that it did a really good job trying to take a structure that I think is difficult to translate onto a screen because we talked a lot about how we enjoyed the book in terms of individual mini stories but i think that's very difficult to do separate bottle episodes that are all connected to each other and especially if it's something that's being released weekly because Mm -hmm. you also need to think about how you're going to bring people back in next week Mm -hmm. and i think that if they're all separate stories that sort of involve the same people but you're not quite sure how they're all connected then it's going to be a little bit harder to bring people back week to week um, yeah, you need you need so a cliffhanger at the end to, mm-hmm. to drive the plot forward. Yeah, so for me, I think that's a it was a good option for them to restructure it. I thought that some of the changes and some of the inclusions that they made didn't quite make sense for me fully. Still, I I felt less weird about Montrose being gay in this mm-hmm. by the end, but still didn't fully get it because it felt like it was trying to say that a cycle of abuse is like kind of okay because his family abused him, so it's okay that he abused his kid and that that like that didn't sit mm-hmm. well with me. And then again, the uh two-spirit character that was killed, that was that did not land the way that they intended it to land for anyone, yeah. I think. Um, but I think that overall, really great ideas. And I also would mm-hmm. recommend it. Quick question. George being uh, Atticus's father, n- mm-hmm. not in the book, right? No. 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 Okay. You asked I... that last time. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept forgetting. Because that was one of the things where I was watching and I was like, 
Ah, okay. But also Montrose wasn't like in a my, like majority sexless marriage yeah. with uh, with his all wife very, because yeah. he wasn't gay. All yeah, very so. different. Or at least they did not make mention of it being a majority sexless marriage in the book. I don't think they. Uh, I don't think they did. I don't think they really talked about sex in the book, which is nope, yeah. not really. No. no, and and Atticus which, and Letitia didn't yeah. have a relationship, a sexual which relationship. Which I loved in the book. I, I, liked, I, yeah. I liked her having a dream and a goal that had nothing to do with romance. I thought that was really nice. But Hollywood baby, make I the hot, make the hot people kiss. I I like. I'm an action yeah. figure person when it comes to TV shows. I like when <laughs> when hot people kiss. <laughs> well, I also feel like I. I mean, I used to be very on Tumblr and there were a lot of like ace people on Tumblr who were like, we just want TV where people aren't trying yeah. to have sex. Like that yeah. would be super cool if there was just a TV show where it didn't need to be oh, sexy people being sexy with each other sexing. Like it's fine if they're sexy, but maybe they could just be friends, which it stinks that not stinks because I think that they do have incredible chemistry, uh, Jonathan Majors and Journey Smollett, but I think that it would have been great to just see these two friends who care about it, each other a lot because they both grew up reading sci-fi together, just have this connection. And But I think that there was a big emphasis on family, mm-hmm. particularly mm-hmm. toward the end of this. And Gia became like sort of part of their family near the end. I got mad about that, though, because I was like, girl, have some self-respect. This guy said that you meant nothing to him. <laughs> yeah, I, and I then you stayed not only in his country, but in his city, just um, chilling. Yeah. Waiting to save his fucking she, family. She is yeah, a feisty man, though, so maybe they just had, like, they have different levels of, you know, jealousy and self-respect, you know, as fox demons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we don't maybe. want to speak for the fox yes. demon community. Je- yeah. Jennifer? I'll, I'll speak for the Fox human community. I think it would have been okay if she killed him. Um, he murdered her yeah. best friend in cold blood. He stood there and shot a bunch of nurses in front of her. You're really telling me that out of 99 other men, nobody else would take her to the movies? Yes. yes. Because they were All like, right. movies are weird. You're weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. I think if you went through 99 other men, there was probably somebody who was a comparable level of goodness to the person who killed your best friend. Yes, you you have to believe that something in Tick is even after killing her best friend makes him still worth like not not murdering when you're like, wow, those 99 other men must have been real pieces of shit. Yeah. What you forgot, Jen, is that liking Judy Garland movies is gay. So (laughs) Jen, Jen, maybe she also had 99 other best friends and they each one killed the best friend. And but 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 then they all didn't take them to the movies additionally, you know, like so this is like one better. It's like what it's like when your standards are so low, they're like at the floor because people are shitty at, on Tinder. And then it's like, well, this one actually asked me out on a date. That's the lesson. Uh-huh. Been there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Low bar. Low bar. Uh, well, on that note. Everybody uh, can raise I, their standards. Just 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 to say that. That's OK to do. Oh, but to finish my point, there was an emphasis on family. And I think that having Letitia and uh, Tick make a family mm-hmm was something that played into that. Mm-hmm. So I get why, like, story-wise they did it, but also it would have been great if they had not. And my favorite character, the little boy at the library, reading <laughs> to the center of the earth, <laughs> never came back. No. 
I hope he's, he's happy doing great. and living his best life. <laughs> he's doing yeah. great. He maybe probably wrote a bestseller, and I heard it sold he's for like six a figures. Seventy year old man now in like twenty twenty years. So oh I hope yeah, that he's like mm. doing fun things life. in quarantine with his grandkids. Probably, probably. Uh, well, on that note. Uh, that's it for Lovecraft Country. Next week, we are diving into our new book, which is V for Vendetta, which is V for Vendetta, like the the omnibus is in three books, book one, book two, book three. So we'll only talk book one, which I feel like is a reasonable, there's plenty to talk about there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then there's we'll, we'll ch- chat about the movie. It is uh, scarily uh, prescient. Prescient? Which, yes. What do you I say? I say prescient. Is that correct? <sighs> yes. Scarily. I just write that word down. Uh, frighteningly uh, p-word. Uh, so you see you then. Like you sound like Ben Shapiro. <laughs> Wet as <ass> present. <laughs> <laughs> That's our show for the week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dana Schwartz, and you can find me on Twitter at Dana Schwartz with three Zs. You can follow Jennifer Wright at Jen Ashley Wright. Kurama Dankwa is at Kurama Drama. Melissa Hunter is at Melissa FTW. And Tian Tran is smart enough to have gotten off Twitter, but she is on Insta at Hank Tina. Our executive producer is Christopher Hesiotis, and we're produced and edited by Mike Johns. Special thanks to David Wasserman. Next week, we'll get into the reason the internet knows who Guy Fox is. It's V for Vendetta, just a little bit late for the 5th of November. Popcorn Book Club is a production of iHeartRadio. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.